Ladies and gentlemen, how do you are listening to the Synapse Films Podcast, a journey into the world of Synapse Films. So buckle up and enjoy the ride. Susie Banyan decided to perfect her ballet studies in the most famous school of dance in Europe. The killer is coming. The killer's gonna get you. I'm just crazy about this store. I've been expecting you. You thought underneath was a heavy metal band. <laughs> Don't drink my flavor. Welcome to the Synapse Films Podcast. I am Timo Sabin. Some folks in the horror community know me as Timo. I will be your host on this journey into all things Synapse Films. Greetings, friends, and thank you for listening to another episode of the Synapse Films Podcast. In this episode, we've got all the usual suspects on deck. First up, Synapse Films co-owner, Jerry Chandler. Next, we check in with Noah Chandler and get caught up on everything new in the merchandise department. And last, but certainly not least, rock and rollsome himself, Ryan Olson, joins me in a conversation about the recent release of McBain. So without further ado, let's get started with Synapse Films co-owner, Mr. Jerry Chandler. Hey, Jerry. Hey, Tim. What's happening? Oh, uh, well, a whole lot's been happening, but it has been a while since we have chatted. What have What have you been up to? Probably nothing at all. Has life been boring for you? <laughs> if only. <laughs> that was a bad joke. <laughs> yeah, it was really terrible. Um, I, know. I know. But uh, what are friends for? Mm-hmm. You know, terrible um, jokes. <laughs> yeah, you know. My life is, uh, you know, I, if anybody really gives a shit, you know, I apologize for the amount of time it's been between the last podcast and this one. Unlike uh, Don, you know, I've had a lot of issues, but they've been more of a personal and family nature, you know, rather than medical. You know, my parents are, are very uh, elderly. My uh, Mom is 92, and my father's 98. He's going to be 99 shortly. And, uh, you know, while my dad's doing okay, my mom's not doing great. And uh, recently she had another setback, and she was back in the hospital. On top of that, you know, I've had other personal issues with my family, and uh, I've also moved to a new house, and... uh, it's big and it's empty. <laughs> and uh, yeah, life has not been uh, a lot of fun this summer. Mm-hmm. I suppose it's better than the alternative, mm. but uh, we're waiting for things to take a turn for the better. And, uh, you know, I don't want to bring anyone down, so I'm not going to go into any kind of detail. But just suffice it to say, it's the absence has been justified. If, ever, if people knew, they would understand it. You know, this is life, man. This is life. You know, it's it's good and it's bad and it's everything in between. And, you know, it can't always be, you know, ups, you know. Right. You've been having a a period of time where when people use the 
the phrase "you don't know what people are going through" maybe maybe cut you a little slack because you don't people just don't know. <laughs> it's one everyone goes through really bad things. You're in one of those those periods of life right now, I guess. So, but uh, we love you though, Jerry. So I. I Honestly, Tim, I'll say no one has to cut me any slack because no one's been giving me any uh, hard time, especially about this podcast, except for you. (laughs) That's my job. (laughs) You know, so I'm going to try and do my best. You know, I know I sound very dour and down today. Yeah, Uh, you're fine. You're fine. You're fine. We're we're happy to have you back and happy to get back on on track here with the podcast. Talk a little bit, you know, speaking of, of having maybe a little bit of a better time, we did have some fun at Flashback. We had a pretty yeah, good time um, at Flashback. You know, before I get into Flashback, mm-hmm. I, I do want to say, you know, uh, I could pass out at any moment. Uh, reason being is, uh, you know, last yesterday I spent noon to 11 p.m. with a uh, – 360 degree, eight inch wide, all the way around my arm tattoo yesterday from Carlos, St. Carlos in Livonia, Michigan, probably the greatest uh, tattoo artist on the planet. And the guy's a hero. I mean, he's a huge Synapse fan, but he sat there and worked on me for 11 hours. Ordinarily, that's unheard of. He told me that uh, after last night, he's taking the next two days off. And, uh, you know, I don't know how he's doing it because he's got a four-month waiting list. But uh, (laughs) if you're ever in the Detroit area or you want a tattoo, there's nobody better than Carlos. Mm. He's he's just an amazing person. I mean, he knows more about Synapse uh, movies than I do. And it's funny because a lot of the fans are that way, you know, <laughs> Right. right. but I got to take my hand, hat off to him because, uh, he did an amazing job. And like I said, it was, it was a marathon. He told me I never complained once about the pain or anything. And let me tell you folks, if there's any, uh, more painful place than the crook of your arm, yeah. it's the opposite side, the elbow. Yeah. Oh my God! I went from the what the eighth circle of hell to the ninth. Um, yeah, it was pretty wild. So when he was doing the other areas of my arm, it was like a, a reprieve. Mm-hmm. I mean, you can barely even feel it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <You know>? Right? <laughs> did he start? So, did he start on the on the inside soft part of your arm, or did he start with the with the elbow side? Where did he start at? Like, where did he? Where, yeah, did you, where did you get your pain threshold started right there? He started on the inside and he got it all done first. And, and but he didn't, he started at the bottom, which was about halfway to my wrist, which is not that painful at all. And it had been about a couple years or maybe a year. I don't remember since I got my Godzilla. I said, wow, Carlos, that's kind of painful. He goes, oh, oh, just wait. <laughs> and, and and it's funny because when it got so bad, you know, he'd take a break and, and go back to the other area. But yeah, and, and, but yeah, the elbow was no reprieve. Let me tell you, man, that was like somebody with the world's smallest chisel chiseling away at the bone. It was just, it was just incredible. He saved the elbow for last. Uh, that was. It was like from 9 to 11 last night. Oh, so God. if you could imagine, and you've seen the art he does on me. He mm-hmm. does layers upon layers. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, the second layer 
uh, in the same area that he's been working on is exponentially more painful. Mm-hmm. But it's the third layer that's really the ass kicker. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I was so exhausted by 9 p.m. Uh, from si- simply from the pain. I mean, I was lying on my stomach and my back the entire day. So that wasn't making me tired. The exhaustion from the pain. And then it was two straight hours on my elbow. Oh. <laughs> and it's like, wow. Wow. You know, wow. <laughs> it was just... Oh, you know, our friend Rhino, the the wrestler yes. <laughs> that you just met in Detroit not too long ago, uh, he has two spider webs on each. He has a spider web on each elbow. And every time we sat together at a table at a show, I don't care how big he is. I don't care how many bumps he's taken. I don't care how many chair shots he's taken, how many times he's fallen out of a cage onto a floor or anything. I looked at his elbows and go, that is a man. <laughs> okay, so forget about that. Uh-huh. Spider web, forget about it. That's just a couple of lines with a lot of open space in between. Oh, he's got colored in and stuff. <laughs> no, they, oh, these are God. solid. <laughs> yeah, mine, mine were solid, but they were like, billowy clouds Uh, so he had to do the cloud and then he had to shade in the cloud and then he had to shade in parts of the shaded in part of the cloud (laughs) yeah uh, it was was pretty hair raising and then next time you see me you'll see my hair is completely white (laughs) wow i'll be freaking out (laughs) you know i'm going gray too (laughs) (laughs) anyways all right so that's enough of that Uh, again i can't emphasize enough you know I don't push things I don't believe in. And St. Carlos had box uh, five uh, tattoos in, in uh, Livonia, Michigan. Greatest tattoo artist I've ever seen in my life. And he's the only only guy I'll let touch me with a needle. So, Yeah, I, you sent me some, some photos last night while you were having it done. I think you were delirious sending them to me. And uh, <laughs> uh, those looked like great work. I love the colors and everything. It looked It was a very, very cool work. So that's why I was saying, I know this hurts, but it looks like it's really worth the pain from what you're showing me. So. You know, and, and again, I don't want to insult any of our female audience by what I'm about to say with my male-centric ignorance (laughs) but i will say this it's kind of like childbirth it's incredibly painful but as soon as he's finished you go oh my god look at the baby and you forget (laughs) all about it right so you know i'm sorry ladies if 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 it's not really that painful but (laughs) it it was the closest uh i could come to trying to explain right well you're asking about uh the show we were at yeah flashback so we were actually together at flashback again this year now ryan rock and rollson who will be coming up next once again he ditched us him and Jen ditched us to go frolic through Norway or something. And what the hell? Come to Flashback and play with us. That's where the real fun is, right? Hey, listen, man. My biggest concern with those two is, you know, I don't want them to end up like uh, the Wicker Man or Midsummer or whatever. <laughs> you know, that's what scares me every time they go frolicking off in, uh, you know, Northern Europe or whatever. <laughs> I could see them up there in the up there in the Wicker Man going, "How the hell did we get stuck in this? How did yeah. we get?" this This is our favorite kind of stuff (laughs) right it's it's good to have him back you know yeah absolutely yeah i'm looking forward i i really was giving him a lot of crap yesterday saying you gotta come play with us we miss you oh now wasteland's coming up 
uh, was it September 29th, I believe, that you guys will be there. And I think Ryan and Jen will be at that. So they are making their glorious return to the United States. The international travelers, Ryan and Jen, will be making their return at Cinema Wasteland. Um, so I'm sure you guys are looking forward to that. We always look forward to that. And we look forward to Cinema Wasteland. And, uh, we, and like I said, it'll be a double pleasure because we get to see them again. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I miss them terribly because they, I haven't seen them in months. So how was, how was your, uh, how was flashback for you? I mean, we were there having fun. Uh, but, uh, as far as the fans, did you get to see everybody you usually see there and enjoy talking to everybody? Yes. Drew was there, of course. Let's see. Boz was there, of course. Boz was getting ready to leave for a family vacation, and she had absolutely no time for flashback. But she came, she parked, she told me it took her 40 minutes to walk to the place because she was so far away. And she just came to give me a hug and and to see you know Don and and the group and and pick up some stuff, and she is such a sweetheart. And I've said that a million times, but man, we love her so much. And she went through all of that just to come and see us. I mean, she came, she saw us, and she left. You know, right? And it was like wow, wow. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it was just sad, in a sense, because I wish she could have spent the whole day with us. Right. But, you know, I certainly under understand and understood. And you think I sent you a lot of pictures. I sent her a lot of pictures. And, of course, she was making fun of me when I was saying, man, it hurt so much and stuff like that. <laughs> well, without Boz to kick my ass, you know, who else would do it? <laughs> so, you know, it was great. And, uh, and of course, Drew was, mm-hmm. was wonderful. And he's doing real well. Good. And, you know, a lot of other people, uh, you know, that we see all the time. And, of course... You know, Mike and Mia put on an amazing flashback. I mean, they're so good at what they do now, and it's so much fun. You know, from my point of view, what I really like about flashback, there's no surprises. Right. You know what I mean? Like, in a good way. Like, they have that set up. And it, I'm, of course, I'm not going to say it runs itself. That's an insult to the promoters. But what I'm saying is they have they have a little bit of an autopilot thing. I think Wasteland has a little bit of that, too, where you know what you're getting into. You know there is going to be no surprises. You're not going to be set somewhere nuts or anything. And I think that they they're really they really have their finger on the pulse of, I think, the conventions and also the vendors and the, and the celebrities and how to make everybody comfortable. Even though it is kind of, kind of a bigger show, it still has a smaller show feel. Right. And I, I can't say it enough, um, and I've said it before, but I, it bears repeating. You know, the, the staff they hire smile. They ask you things nicely. Can I see your pass with a smile? Thank you very much. I mean, it's such a difference from some of the shows we used to go to where – it's like they hire faux bikers who <laughs> want to be bullies and stuff. And I can name the the one show in particular that we absolutely quit doing, and that was only one of the reasons. Mm. And then, of course, age cut up, caught up with us, and I don't like uh, 11 to 13-hour drives anymore. Right. <laughs> Hell, I'm getting dizzy when I drive four to five hours. You That's know, not which, good. Yeah, yeah, it's not good. So... You know, I am definitely reaching the the tail end of my uh, show career, so to speak, um, unfortunately. 
But, you know, I don't know. I might have a couple years left in, in me. I warned all the people working with me in Indianapolis. I said, this is my last show. I'm, I'm done because I think I got food poisoning. But that's we'll get to that later. But, yeah, Flashback was wonderful. I'm trying to think if there were... Well, there was one thing at Flashback that uh, that's an old classic... Uh, routine of mine that you finally caught up with a little late in the game, but I make a potion. I make a drink that was kind of known in the convention world. It is called Grape Ape. I invented it. It is my drink. It is a secret recipe. Uh, And uh, I actually changed the recipe a little bit for my pal Jerry to suit his dietary needs. And Jerry, I think you are becoming a fast fan of the drink Grape Ape. Are you not? Well, Tim, that's an interesting, uh, a very interesting way to put it. The other thing you could say is, well, Jerry, you are quickly becoming an alcoholic. <laughs> uh, and it's thanks to your potion because it is so goddamn good. <laughs> oh, my God. And the thing is, you know, uh, in case people are wondering, you know, uh, I had some uh, heart issues, let's call it. And the doctors wanted me to lose about 85 pounds. And today, to date, I've lost 75. Awesome. Uh, I just had a thallium stress test and my doctor gave me the results and he said, hey, rarely do I get to give my patients results like these, but everything is perfect. Oh, and right. you did 40% better than we would expect from somebody your age. Oh, wow. So, yeah, so losing that weight really, really helps. My back still gets sore. I've had a bad back for most of my life. But when my back is sore, it's just a little sore. Once I dropped under 200 pounds, it doesn't hurt anymore. I Even if I'm carrying boxes upstairs like you've seen me do, mm-hmm. um, the biggest thing is like uh, from our replicator, I get 40 pound boxes full of DVDs and Blu-rays and I will walk and I will say, oh my God, I cannot believe I had this much weight. I mean, lift a 40 pound box and I, I've been able to drop 70, 75 pounds so far. So like two of those, you carry it around and then when you see how much that is, I don't know how to put it. You, you, it boggles your mind. How did I ever do it? Of course, if you put the box directly on top of your head, you can feel how you do it because it, it spreads the weight along your spine and right. the rest of your body. It's different when you're holding it out in front of you. Sure. But it's still a good point. Right. So, yeah. So, okay. So, I don't do sugar anymore. And uh, I don't try to stay away from sugar substitutes as well because they have the same effect on your brain as sugar. So you dropped some of the more sugary ingredients, not all of them. So I still have to be careful how much grape ape I consume. But, you know, I, because it's been so long, um, I do these walks after work, and I've been listening to our earlier podcast. So I've listened to the first three or four, and we have talked about this stuff a lot. Uh, but it again, it bears repeating. Uh, you know, I don't do the lobby stand around, you know, talking anymore. It, it's you know, I get a little tired. So my daughter and I, we spent every night after dinner 
with you and your lovely wife in your room. And sometimes we had John Everson, the author with us. Mm -hmm. And uh, sometimes other people popped in mm -hmm. um, and all friends. But I mean, it's really the greatest pleasure we have on the shows. And we look forward to it is sitting with you and Angie and just sitting and shooting shit and drinking grape ape and whatever else we're doing. And I'm sure we're doing other things, <laughs> but my daughter's very young and she loves it too. Mm. She loves hanging out with us old fogies. Um, <laughs> she fits right in, yes. you know, and it's, and she's fun to listen to and talk to. She has a lot of my personality, so she's not a wallflower. She comes right out and talks, and she's a very interesting person. Oh, yeah. Oh, we definitely have fun with Noah, for sure. <laughs> so, you yeah. know, um, yeah, that, listen, listen I, I'd love to say even more glowing things about Flashback, but I'm going to be honest. The highlight of the show was uh, the time we spent with you and Angie. Of course, and I know it sounds like yeah, we're you know kissing each other's ass, but we're really not. No. I mean, mm -mm. at some point you got to be truthful, and this is the truth. So right, right. Well, I mean, it's the, the during the day is is enjoyable. It's always interesting, but it's always exhausting because it's a long day, and you're talking to a lot of people. And my personality is a more one on one kind of person. And I don't like to be talking with a lot of people around me. I like to be like in a smaller group or just like one on one. And so I get exhausted during the day. But then I, I also love the more intimate uh, conversations in the evening with a few drinks, you know, and maybe a smoke or so, you know. Um, so, yeah, I, I definitely likewise. That is a highlight of our of our shows always too. It's why we come just, you know, we see our vendor friends during the day and then at night, anybody that wants to stumble across the room or wander through is welcome to do it. It's been that way all the time and they do. And it is fun. It's very fun, very pleasurable. Um, unfortunately, this is the first time and I don't know how long that I did not attend a horror hound. Um, and I have not really heard back at all from anyone how this last horror hound was it finally returned to indianapolis i believe in the convention center right downtown again correct yes and uh, again before you get going on this your absence was missed i mean it was really missed i i don't like doing shows that you and angie aren't at <laughs> i mean honestly it was you it was missed I mean, what what we ended up doing is Noah, Noah and I sat around in our room because, uh, you know, again, I I just can't do that social standing around in the lobby for untold hours. It's just, you know, and that, so there was there was nobody else there to pick up the slack. Although I will say this, we discovered an amazing. Um, restaurant in downtown Indianapolis. Really? Now, Do tell. Yes. Indianapolis, you know, I, I, I'll be honest. I like the old venue better. It was kind of in the outskirts. Yeah. And there were a lot of different restaurants around there. Downtown Indianapolis, you know, by the Capitol, first of all, the venue is beautiful and the hotels are beautiful and everything. But the walk from the table we literally, okay, we would park in the parking garage, okay, at our hotel, which was the Westin. Everything's beautiful, okay? And this is not a bad reflection on Horror Hound, Nathan, or uh, 
Aaron, I love those people like they're my brothers. And they put on an amazing show. They were the gr- greatest hosts. I mean, oh, my God, oh, my God. But just for an old man, picture this. I park on the second floor or maybe we were on the fourth floor. I don't know. But the the level of the parking garage that leads to the hotel was on the third floor. So we get out the dolly. We have three to four dolly loads worth in my car alone, okay? Loaded up, and we go from the second floor to the second floor entrance into the elevator, up to the third floor, out of the elevator, down the microwave hallway, like a quarter mile long hallway between the parking structure and the hotel. A lot of hotels have them. They do not air condition them. So it's like 160 degrees into the, you're on the fourth floor, third floor of the hotel. Then you have to get into that elevator, take that down to another elevator, which is across the lobby, and take that down and then into the convention center, unload and make your way all the way back. And we had to do that a bunch of times. And uh, they were ready to call the ambulance for me because (laughs) I sat down. You know, Thursday night, they hadn't turned on the air conditioning in the venue. And, oh, my God, it was it was crazy. I I looked like I just came out of a swimming pool. I was sweating <laughs> so badly. So, you know, it, it's a lot of, of a lot of why, you know, listen, I shouldn't complain. I needed the exercise, but it was a lot of exercise. The one of the drawbacks of downtown Indianapolis is there's no really good restaurant that's like at a mid-range. You have some amazing restaurants. You have St. Elmo's, Ruth Chris, all this stuff. But, you know, not everybody wants to spend $200. Right, right, especially vendors, right. So, you know, when we were in Chicago, there's a very good friend of ours, uh, Maura. She makes, um, I forgot the name of her business, but everyone would know her. She does the little cigarette cases, and she makes soaps, Mm, mm -hmm, and... mm -hmm. uh, you know, uh, earrings and, right. and necklaces, and she's she is the sweetest person you'll ever meet. Right, I put her right on par with Angie. You know, just like this wonderful person. And uh, at flashback, her husband came over and said, "Hey, it's Maura's birthday. Um, you guys want to come out to eat with us to celebrate her birthday?" And I said, "Well, of course we want to, but we can't because we have this big party. It was Saturday night." You know, on Saturday night, we take our whole crew out to a nice meal and everything. There's just no way to do it. I said, but we'll see you next week in Indianapolis or two weeks, whenever it was, and we'll definitely do that. So they remembered, and Indianapolis is their hometown. So we get in. We're not even into Indianapolis yet, and we get a text from uh, Mike saying, hey, do you still want to join us for dinner Thursday night? And I said, absolutely, it's Maura's birthday party. Let's go. Where do you want to go? And he named a couple of choices. One was an Indian restaurant, which we didn't try. The other one was a Turkish restaurant. Now, this, in case people are wondering what Turkish food is like, it's a lot 
of the same, uh, call it Middle Eastern. You had Humus, Baba Ganoush, you had uh, Kafta type uh, food and everything like that. So we said, let's try that one. And the name of the restaurant is called the Bosphorus Grill or Inn or something like that. It was one mile from the hotel. So I had the great idea, let's walk. And we did. Uh And it was okay. I mean, it was a nice walk, but it was, you know, a thousand degrees outside. Uh Put it this way, Mike drove us back to the hotel. (laughs) (laughs) But I over-ordered. I hadn't eaten all day. Uh So I said, you know, these prices seem kind of cheap. We better order some appetizers and... You know, we did, and people ordered individual meals. And I looked at uh, this one thing, and I couldn't make up my mind. So I said, give me the meat sampler. It's only $33. Now, in Detroit, at a Middle Eastern restaurant, you can't blow your nose into a napkin for $33. (laughs) I figured, this isn't going to be much. You know, it'll be a little bit of food. It'll hit the spot. I shouldn't be eating a lot anyway. The guy kind of laughs at me. He goes, okay, one uh, meat platter sampler coming up. It took two people to bring it to the table. They, <laughs> you know, they had to get more chairs for everyone else to sit further away. They set this thing down in front of me. There's a chicken kafta, a lamb kafta, a beef kafta. They're like a foot long and about six inches wide. There was shredded meat. There was shredded this. I mean, it was just so much. I immediately reached for my phone camera and I had to take a picture. (laughs) And like, it should have been something like that in Detroit. And we have the largest Middle Eastern community outside the Middle East. Uh So there's lots of restaurants here. To get that much food, a sampler like that would be well over $100. Oh, wow. And it would have been worth it. But it was $33. And of course, I could only eat a few bites of two of the six or seven items that were on there. So we had it all thrown into a giant carryout thing. And literally, I ate it all weekend. If you notice, I didn't go out to lunch once. And, uh, you know, I even missed Saturday night uh, dinner for a different reason. But I, from Friday to Sunday, I worked on it and I ate the whole thing. Um, and that's literally, it took me four days to eat that platter for $33. I, I don't know how they did it. I, I, you know, maybe it was a mistake in the menu and I caught it and they had to live up to it. I don't know. <laughs> but uh-huh. I asked the waiter, I said, when are you guys moving to Detroit? We need one of these there. It was just amazing. So all you folks, I'm probably ruining it. <clears throat> Excuse me, ruining it for myself. But if you're in Indianapolis and you don't feel like paying 200 a person at uh, for a steak, try the Bosphorus Grill. It was amazing. Wow, huh. and, and that was my biggest find over the weekend. Um, it was it was crazy, and I'm certainly happy we found it. Yeah. The show was was a lot of fun. You know, um, Aaron and, and Nathan. I mean, they're amazing. Uh, and they put on another wonderful, wonderful show. So uh, we did real well. We sold a lot of our shirts and uh, hoodies. Oh, good. Nice to see. I mean, 
some woman came up to our table wearing a Synapse hoodie that she had bought somewhere else, and I was tickled. So I went around behind her and took a picture. And I, you know, in the picture is her husband who's like scowling at me, like, who is this guy? Why is he taking a picture of my wife? You know, but, uh, anyways, you know, it was just, it was real nice. Um, again, it's always going to be a wonderful show. You know, th those guys just put on the best show i mean they're all so good at it you know right right well plus you 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 stretched a 33 dollar platter into an entire weekend of food so i, mean. I didn't stretch anything i was lucky to have finished it i was literally <laughs> swimming in the bosphorus of food <laughs> the things you guys get tangled up in when i'm not around to tangle you up even more. <laughs> I don't know if that would have been for you, though. I know some, you're, you have some dietary limitations. Uh, it was, you yeah, know, I were... get a fussy stomach. So sometimes it's, it's like taste bud-wise, as I've gotten older, I'm very like adventurous. I don't mind trying. It's just the fact of what things do to me out of nowhere. And when I'm on right. the road, you, you got to keep yourself steady when you're on the right. road. You gotta, at least you got to try. You have to try to do it. So I, I tend to get way less adventurous of course i'm becoming less adventurous because i just don't want to deal with <laughs> you know anybody has stomach issues with a lot of us do uh understand you know well understand. you know what it's funny that you bring that up because that is leading exactly into my next little story hmm. you know I, i'm older than you and i come from a family of fire eaters between my father my brother and myself we used to eat the hottest Chinese food, the hottest Thai food. I mean, it had to literally be on fire with spice. And <laughs> you could always just deal with the O-ring effects later. But we went to oh, the Yard House. It's like a chainy kind of bar food kind of place. And the food was really good there. But I was staying away because, again, these days I still have to get rid of a little bit more weight for my health. So... My daughter says, hey, dad, why don't you order this endamani appetizer, which is, uh, if anyone doesn't know, you see it a lot in Japanese restaurants, sushi restaurants. It's these uh, soybeans. They're like, they look like pea pods, but you can't eat the outside. It's very thick. So you squeeze them and out pops the soybean and, and you eat that. It's like a pea, but a little larger. So... I had that and we had cheese curds because I'm on a like a low carb kind of keto kind of thing where you can eat cheese and stuff like that. So they each came with their own little sauce. And the cheese curds came with a very sweet sauce that was incredibly spicy for cheese, you know, it was hot. And then the endamani had a soy-based sauce that again was full of chili seeds. So I said, wow, how are you supposed to eat this? You don't stick the the uh, the pod in. You squeeze the bean out. How are we supposed to eat this? So I said, screw it. I was dipping the cheese curds into both sauces. <laughs> and they were both really spicy. Uh -huh. And uh, I had been feeling great. And these days it shows, you know, usually I'm not feeling too good um, for whatever reason. But this was uh, Friday evening and Thursday and Friday. I was feeling great. And I was telling my daughter, wow, maybe I turned a corner and I'm starting to feel good at these shows again. 
So I start dipping in cheese curds and I'm eating and eating and it's spicy and I'm drinking water. And my daughter says, dad, what are you doing? I said, well, she goes, but dad, that's spicy. Stop, stop, just stop. I said, well, no, you know, I haven't, I haven't had anything spicy in a long time. And it's just these little sauces. It's, they're not going to bother me. Okay. By Saturday morning, I was in severe pain, severe pain. I thought it was food poisoning, but I don't, honestly, I don't think it was because I didn't have any of the symptoms of food poisoning and no one else was uh, suffering that way. I think at this point in my life, just anything spicy at all just really tears me up inside. It got so bad that uh, by Saturday afternoon, five o'clock, two hours short of the show closing, I told everyone, I have to go back to the room and lay down. And I staggered back there. The next thing I knew, it was 8 p.m. And my daughter's waking me up saying, hey, dad, everybody's waiting. Aren't you coming out to dinner with us? And I said, no. And she left and I went right back to sleep. And uh, she called later. She said, should I bring you back something? And I was thinking of a salad, but my stomach hurt so bad. I said, no, I want something I haven't had in a long, in like four years. Bring me a, a, their chocolate cake. And, uh, you know, they, I got a slice of chocolate cake and with uh, some ice cream came with it. I don't know how she got it back without it melting, but she did. And, you know, that, you know, it was nice to have. But uh, I didn't start feeling better till about three o'clock Sunday afternoon. That's how long it, it knocked me out. And when, once we started driving home, I started feeling better and better. And by the time we got home, which was a five-hour drive, I was back to normal. But man, did I learn my lesson. I mean, I am avoiding any kind of um, hot spice like the plague now because it just wasn't worth it going through all well, now you weren't feeling very good at flashback too and then you felt better coming home do you do you suspect maybe it was something that you ate there too no i hmm. think uh, you know as i mentioned earlier in the show and i tell this as a public service to people out there that might have anxiety due to the stress i have with all my family issues i am going through severe anxiety and i literally have four choices uh, I could take psychological meds, which I don't want to do. I could start drinking because alcohol seems to help. I don't want to do that. I've never been a a drinker in my entire life. And, it, and in my 60s, it's not a good time to turn into an alcoholic. <laughs> right, right. So other than a little grape ape every now and then, I don't drink. Um, pot, which I have been doing my whole life, but even indica just adds to my, my anxiety. So for the first time in my life, I actually stopped smoking pot. I don't do edibles. I don't smoke. I don't vape. I don't do any of that stuff anymore. Not because I have anything against it or I don't want to. It's just adding to already terrible anxiety. So my fourth choice and I'm throwing this out there for people. Uh, take it if you like it. If you think it's stupid, then don't. But I've been working out. And that's been 
causing my anxiety to decrease to almost levels that I don't notice anymore. So I get up in the morning and I get, you know, I wake up at about 5.30 every morning, no matter what time I go to bed, with anxiety. I mean, I'm, I, my eyes just open right up and I'm already thinking about things that I didn't know I was thinking about. So I get on the bike for an hour. I have a reclining bike that moves your arms as well as your legs. And then uh, I go to work. And then when I get home from work, I'm, the anxiety is probably ramping up again. And uh, I go for a three-mile walk. And that's it. I'm exhausted. And I make it through the rest of the evening, you know, without, you know, debilitating anxiety. So it's good for my health. And it's, uh, you don't have to take a, a substance because whether it's a psychological med, pot, or alcohol, as soon as that wears off, the anxiety comes rushing back. So those really aren't good solutions for me. Um, you could always do a little working out, go for a long walk, do whatever that is, and it's a much healthier way to try and deal with it. Well, you get your system going, you get your, your whole, you know, you get your endorphins going, you get everything moving. And it is sometimes working out is like a drug for people in a good way. You know, it, it, yeah. it gets them feeling better and stuff. I, I'm going to completely agree with you. Uh, I, I don't, I luckily have never suffered from debilitating anxiety, shall we say, but we've all gone through, especially you don't get to, I'm 50, you don't get to 50 or your age without going through some shit. Right. Well, <laughs> and and I agree completely that I am I also enjoy cannabis, but it is not a mental band-aid for me at all. If I'm very stressed out, I normally put it down because it, for me it just clouds my thinking a little bit. It doesn't help at all. Um and I love and you know this. I I love this stuff, but I would agree with you uh that I would try something different. <laughs> like you're saying. So, uh, Again, one, to get to your original point, one yeah. of the reasons I was considering not doing shows anymore is because of, like I said, it's been a couple years where I literally, we get set up at the show Thursday night, but starting usually Friday morning, I start feeling terrible and I feel terrible the whole weekend. And then as we're packing up and I'm getting in the car to drive home, I start feeling better. And the further away I get from the venue, the better I feel. And I can only attribute that to the anxiety of being so far from home with so many family issues going on. I think that's going to get better. I think I've hit my bottom, so to speak, because things seem to be getting a little bit better. Uh, but uh, again... You know, I, I, Noah and I went for a couple mile walk Friday morning and I was, I was telling her, I said, I think I'm, I solved that problem. I'm feeling like a million bucks. And I was until, uh, you know, Saturday after I had eaten all that spicy stuff uh, Friday night. Well, at least you can attribute that to some spicy food and everything else you're doing sounds to be helping tremendously, actually. So that's probably a good thing. If that's, if that's the reason, who really knows? You know, we're all guessing about everything. Even yeah. the doctors, they guess, you know. Well, I'm glad you're, I'm glad at least maybe you're taking a turn for the better. So, <laughs> you know, um, I think the exercising is great. Walking is awesome. 
You know, yeah. walking and riding a bike. I mean, I have a treadmill. You know, we have a row kind of bike or whatever as well and stuff. But just getting out there and taking a walk or well, we have a pool too. So I like to swim oh. laps back and forth, and that's kind of good for my joints and my knees and stuff too. Right. Um, you know, but that it's also kind of a drug though. You get in there and you're like, I'm going to be in here for 20 minutes. You're like, I can do it for a half hour. You know, yeah. <laughs> you just keep going and going, and it's. It's good. You just got to be careful because uh, even I've hurt myself a couple times whenever I'm like, I'm going to keep going and going. You know, it's like, well, nah, I just hurt myself. <laughs> yeah. Now you can't work out for a month. Right. You know? Right. Well, we've got, I got two hernia scars to prove it. So, yeah. 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 Um, you are going to be at Cinema Wasteland, though, correct? Absolutely. Okay. Good. I mean, unless, God forbid, unless something horrible happens, I, it's my intention of being there. I have I have a a business question for you, Jerry. A synapse question. One of these questions that I know you find. I, let's not say you find uh, the question boring, but maybe you get tired of saying the answer sometimes. But as a as a fan and a collector, uh, I like to ask you some of these questions just to either uh, clue people in or refresh people's memory or maybe answer a question that they have as well. So on your website. Uh, you have that, uh, let's see, you have announced that the standard edition of Tombs of the Blind Dead uh, will be, the street date for that is October 24th. The question I have, and it's just a general one, so when you release a standard edition disc, uh, mostly that means there might be some a few less extras, the packaging is different, and, and things like that. Do you still sell the non-standard? So let's say for Tombs of the Blind Dead, you put out a beautiful steelbook beforehand. Now that you're releasing the standard edition, will you still be also selling uh, the steelbook? And how do you guys kind of mentally do that? We sell those steelbooks or whatever the uh, phenomena and tenebrae packages, whatever those... uh, um, paper boxes. I, I don't know what they're called, uh, but we will sell those until we're sold out. So, you know, uh, Demons One Steelbook was long gone. So is Phenomena Steelbook. So was Tenebrae Steelbook. As long as we have a few in stock, we'll leave them up there for people to grab. Now, having said that, We are very, very, very low on the Tombs of the Blind Dead steelbook. It's almost completely sold out. So if you're thinking about that, now's the time to place the order. Uh, If not, so be it. Uh, I think the standard version is done, and I think they're on their way to us now. So we always sell to people who buy from our website we don't wait for the street date. If you want it early, order it directly from us, and uh, we'll ship it out to you as soon as it comes in, and it might be in in the next day or so. So, you know, by the time people hear this, they should definitely already be in, and I'm sure this will be out before the October street date. But that's a little kind of reward that we do for the people who are kind enough to order directly from us. Gotcha. So in general, if people like are interested uh, in your older release, at the very least, it's worth looking into. But when you're out, you're out. Yes, when we're out, we're out. We never redo, repress steel books or any kind of collectible. Mm-hmm. And as you've explained also, that, that some of the nicer releases when you put them out, it's really when they do very well. 
And then you guys put a standard release uh, to keep it in print, I guess, for a while and for just because of the popularity of it. Is that yeah, yeah. The standard release will be around forever or as long as we have the license. And most of the titles we've had since our inception, 27 years, we still have. As a matter of fact, I just relicensed Demons, Demons 2, Phenomena, and Tenebrae. And we've had those since... My God, this is, I think, our fourth renewal. So, <laughs> you know. All right. Well, thank you, Jerry, for for answering the questions. I'm uh, uh, sorry to hear that uh, you've had troubles, but I'm glad to hear that uh, you're that everything's making a turn. Um, I know everybody listening uh, definitely cares about you and Don, and the rest of the crew, and one and everybody likes to see everybody feeling and doing okay. You know, so. Uh, Best of luck and continued uh, continued traveling upward as far as feeling feeling better. And uh, thank you very much again for talking to me and all the friends and fans of Synapse. And I'm sure everyone is glad to hear you hear you back here again. And looking forward to seeing you at a show. Uh, hopefully, Cinema Wasteland. Right. Right. Absolutely. And uh, like I said, thank you for anybody who's genuinely concerned. Thank you for your concern. Well, we will talk to you next time, Jerry, and we will try to make that sooner than later. My pleasure. (laughs) Bye-bye. Once again, thank you, Jerry Chandler, for taking your time to speak with me and the friends of Synapse. And now, next up, let's check in with Noah Chandler. Hey, Noah. Hi. Uh, let's see. We have Cinema Wasteland coming up. Let me talk about this real quick. Now, Cinema Wasteland, you've been to a lot of these Cinema Wastelands, but I don't think you're going to be able to make this one because you are shooting a wedding because you happen to be a photographer in real life. Is that correct? Yeah. My real life outside a Synapse job is a photographer. <laughs> I am a photographer. <laughs> So, and then, uh, so you have a wedding, <laughs> as we speak right now, you have one coming up this weekend that you're excited about. And then, um, yes. and then you have one coming up on Wasteland. So just so everyone knows, if they would like to hire you, could they try to get a hold of you, especially if they're in the Detroit area? Yeah. So I am a photographer in my real life outside of Synapse job. Mm-hmm. And if anyone is in the Detroit area and needs a professional photographer, pet photographer, portrait photographer, um, you can message me on my website, which is www.noachandler.com. Nice. How long have you been doing that professionally? 11 years. Ah, so you are experienced. You're not like, hey, today I decided to become a professional photographer because I'm good at my phone. You are <laughs> a, you are an educated and professional photographer, correct? Correct. I have a degree in photography. Um, now, I wanted to mention, if you go to synapsefilms.com and scroll all the way down, you will find this podcast. Yay! And if you scroll all the way up, you will see the newest release announcements. But in between that, you will also see some of the updated merchandise. And I have noticed on the website, and I certainly have noticed at the conventions, 
these enamel pins that you guys have been doing have been really moving well. You want to talk about those for a little bit? We have been bringing the new ones since we got them to the show. So if any of the folks who have been to Flashback or Horror Hound, you will have seen them already. Um, we got a kindred uh, creature in the bottle pin. We have three impulse pictures pins. We have one um, Synapse Films green brain pin. We finally have something that has a merch item that's an enamel pin that has our name on it. If oh, cool. you want to rep us on your jacket or nice. your backpack. Mm-hmm. Um, we got a curtains pin, a maniac cop pin, two new demons pins. Um, a new tombs pin, so now we have two. Oh, nice. Um, we have prom night pin. Oh, we have the two Suspiria pins that we've had. The hanging and the witch one. We've had the other tombs pin. Frankenhooker pin. A different demons pin. We have three impulse pins. We have two that say impulse pictures, and one that's uh, technically it's a peep show XXX pin. Oh, okay. Now, you also have, let's see, you have some new shirts coming, uh, but there's also the return of an older design coming too, correct? Correct. It's on our website in the section that's of the older t-shirts that we've had for all these years. Our first t-shirt design by Wes Benscotter to come out. Um We've had a lot of requests for it shows recently, so we are planning on bringing it back in a for sure a t-shirt and possibly a hoodie. And we're also looking at uh, possibly bringing back baseball caps. We've heard a lot of um, like requests for mm-hmm. those again. Mm-hmm. So everybody can everybody can go and look on the website, uh, especially like usually during the winter. I think what the wasteland kind of is like the end of the convention season. So yeah. then at that point, your real, con- your real uh, connection with people is basically through the website. And so people can go to the website and start looking and seeing uh, what is available. And if you do have a new design out, uh, it will definitely be posted there. Correct? Yes. Okay. Very good. So um, now the most important thing that I wanted to ask is will there be different flavors of lip balm? Yes, we have four flavors of lip balm. We have uh, pear, as I think it's paradise, pomegranate, mango tango, and strawberries and cream. Which one do you recommend? My favorites are strawberries and cream or mango tango. Nice. I just like the scent the best. They have SPF in them. Um. They smell good. All of them are good. I just, I feel like most people go for the strawberries and cream or the mango. How is, uh, I, I really haven't asked, and I didn't, I didn't ask your dad either. How, how has, how has the, the, the shipping been, been going too? Like shipping orders and all that. Everything been going fine? Shipping's been pretty consistent, um, especially right after when we come home from a show. Mm-hmm. There's I've either, I don't know if they're people who went to the show and didn't find what they wanted at the show, or they wanted to buy something, but they're choosing to buy it afterwards. But I always get like an influx of orders from wherever we just were right after. So when I get back, it's like, oh, here's 10 orders from you know, Indianapolis or, <laughs> you know, and that's like at every show, but yeah, no, it's been really good. 
um, I think steady overall where I feel like for a while in the winter, we were really slow. So Mm. it's, it's looking good. We really appreciate the support. Again, everybody keep their eyes on the website because really when you guys have something new to show, or even bringing back an older design like that, you guys are going to have it on the website ASAP and uh, you have it ready to order and ship out from there. Yes. Well, thank you for the update. I'm excited about the pins. You know, at first I was kind of teased a little bit about the pins because I'm thinking, I, I'm an old guy. I'm thinking a button. You know, I'm like, I'm like thinking about the little round buttons with the, with the, you yeah. know, with the pin in it that that usually pokes you when you try to put of it course. on because it's basically a weapon. You know, the that's pin. what, yeah, that's what I was, I, I, when I finally saw them, I'm like, oh, those are really nice. Those aren't buttons. <laughs> you know, I'm like, oh, those are really, and they are really cool. And uh, I was really surprised too. They were, especially a flashback. I mean, they were going because what was I calling? Uh, I was calling Dave Kosanki the pink, the kingpin, the king, the, the the kingpin because he was he was right by the pins, and man, they were they were doing good. Every time I told Dave, Dave, just like point those pins, and every time people would stop and start going hey and start like looking through them uh, and stuff. So I that's one of those things I wouldn't have thought about. Yeah. So. The back, they're about, all our pins are about like an inch and a half to an inch like wide. So they're pretty big pins and they all have two posts on the back of each one. So if you're having it on a sweatshirt or a backpack or something like that, uh, so there's two rubber stoppers to hold it on instead of one. So you don't have to worry about the whole thing falling off. I mean, I've lost pins. I'm a pin jacket, jean jacket person. And mm-hmm. I've lost pins that like the manufacturer didn't compensate for the weight so they only put one and then it falls off or whatever right it's just a bummer so it's yeah i don't on the website you don't have there's no picture of the back of the pin but if you've been to any show it's a double prong they're all double prong excellent all right uh noah well thank you for uh taking a little time and updating everyone on the merchandise uh, make sure, again, to go to the website, scroll down a little bit, and check out what is available and for the pins and for some new stuff that may be coming up in the horizon. So uh, we will talk to you again next time. Over and out, Tim. And thank you, Noah. Always a pleasure. And thank you for updating us with everything that's new in the merchandise department here at Synapse Films. And now let's get to my conversation with Rock and Rollson himself, Mr. Ryan Olson, as we discuss the recent Synapse Films release of McBain. Like to welcome back to the show, my good pal and yours, Rock and Rollson himself, Ryan Olson. Hello, Ryan. Hey, what's happening, bud? Uh, here's what's been happening. So um, I was at Flashback with the Synapse team, and I got to yeah. tell you something. You and the, you and the lovely wife, you need to quit living your life, and you need to get back to work for Synapse. Because I'm telling you, for a whole weekend, uh, poor Dave Kosanke was stuck with with Sean and, and myself. And let me tell you something right now. I'm not right. And uh, pretty much uh, we're going to have to blame you for not being a good buffer 
for our poor, poor Dave there because he had to contend with us all weekend, and you guys weren't even there. And so I, I'm I'm holding a grudge. <laughs> <laughs> and I won't even hear you're having fun because I had to <laughs> yeah. Well, you uh, we know, missed. I you. mean, what can I say, man? It's like uh, cavorting around in the mountains and forests of Norway. I mean, it's kind of. Uh, you know, we love you guys to death and we love being a part of the Synapse family and um, doing the conventions and all that stuff too. But it's like, you know, I mean, we, you know, it's like, ah, uh, going to Norway and getting to see some amazing bands and hang out with some cool people. And then again, you know, go up in the woods and the mountains and all that stuff. It's like, boy, not say, I mean, it's not something we get to do very often. So we had to take advantage of the opportunity that we had. Yeah, nice try for a distraction. Didn't help Dave Kosanke one bit. He was terrorized all weekend. There you go. Glad oh, to hear you guys I had, had a good no time. That he held his own quite fine. <laughs> he I'm sure he did just fine. <laughs> he did. He did. He, he gave it back. He gave it whatever I gave to him. He gave back to me in spades. We were good. We had fun though. It was a good time. We didn't miss you. Uh, glad that you had a good time as well. And hopefully we'll get back to normalcy. You are going to be at Cinema Wasteland. Uh, coming up, I believe when this show uh, is available for people, Cinema Wasteland will be right around the corner. So uh, if anybody wants to go see Ryan and go see hi to Rock and Rolson and uh, and Jen and everybody else at Synapse, uh, that's where you can find you guys next, right? Yes, yes. And we do really we we did really miss seeing everybody at Flashback. I mean, both years, you know, it was amazing doing what we were doing, but. You know, you guys were always in the back of our mind and we were still keeping an eye on things, even though we were over there and, you know, all that stuff, too. So, I mean, we definitely missed being there and look forward to being there next year, you know, at least as far as we know so far. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> but yes, Wasteland will be at Wasteland next. That's uh, really looking forward to that because, I mean, you know, we only get to do a handful of shows a year. So when we miss, you know, the ones like we do, it makes us extra hungry for that next one. So, mm, yes. you know, don't try to distract excited. me. Don't try to distract me. You're, you you just you dropped the ball for Dave. I'm telling you, he needed you. <laughs> well hey i miss him man i haven't seen him since our wedding no i know you know that's a long time now we're going i mean we talk regularly which i'm grateful for but you know i haven't seen him since our wedding so it's been i mean trust me that's that's difficult man he's one of my closest friends there is i mean he was my best man so right you know Well, you'll have to uh, make up for it next year. You have to promise me right here now that you will be at Flashback next year, not not hunting unicorns and things in the great Nordic woods. So you can't can't be doing that. Can't be doing that anymore. Well, we're, we're, we, I we've can't had make it. any firm promises yet, but I'll, we'll say it's a, a way higher chance than normal that we will be there next year, I'd say. Just because, <laughs> you know... I try to be a man of my word. So if I, if something crazy happens where it's like, Oh, I, I'm, I, I just got to leave the, the tiniest sliver of the door open, but I would say it's a 90 to 95% chance that we will definitely be there next year. All right. Well, no more, no more pandering, no more pandering to us saying about you guys were in the back of our minds, even though we were frolicking through the forest and having fun and things. So, <laughs> Well, speaking of frolicking, uh, not sure this is an appropriate segue, but we uh, we frolicked into watching one of the more recent releases uh, here at Synapse, the 1991 mega opus, McBain. 
I don't uh, know, man. I'd say it was quite a frolic. <laughs> <laughs> so, so uh, let's see. What we have here is another in the uh, the James Glickenhaus series of films uh, that uh, the Synapses put out. We talked about Slaughter of the Innocents. I believe that was our first podcast, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, it was. was. Dis- it was yeah, discussing yeah. that. So now we are on to another uh, Glickenhaus film, McBain. Uh, yes. Starring the action movie Star Walt himself, Christopher Walken, and uh, <laughs> uh, Maria Conchita Alonso. Hello from over here. Hello. Um, she was she was always a pleasant thing to show up in a film in those days when we were kids. I think. Um, oh yeah. And a really interesting cast of character actors. Michael Ironside uh, being one of them. Um, so yeah, what we have great. here, I'm going to set this up as easy as much as I can. It's, it's a it's a complex movie of odd, awkward thoughts. So um, uh, it starts off. I guess we're in Vietnam in a POW camp, and Christopher Walken clearly is McBain, and uh, <laughs> he is rescued, I guess, by some rangers. And uh, one of the, the guy, the leader guy of of the little ranger troop that comes in and liberates this POW camp, uh, is talking to McBain, and he's and he gives him a tears a hundred dollar bill, right? It's a hundred dollar bill. Tears a hundred dollar bill and says, "Here, first of all, well, we're going to talk about this in a minute." Tears him a hundred dollar bill and says, uh, "Here, if you ever need me, give me back this other this other half of this hundred dollar bill." Well, we've set up something that's going to happen, right? Like well, right, right away, right away. And here, let me tell you something, Ryan. We ever get in the situation where I rescue you from a POW camp? At best, I'm I'm going to cut in half a dollar and give it to you. <laughs> I'm not blowing a hundred bucks, especially in the seventies. Okay, <laughs> getting that out there right now. So, uh, you then you jump forward to modern times, which is ancient past to us already, which would be the film is 1991. But man, this this movie feels a lot more like 87. Oh, yeah. Or 88. I know that doesn't mean crap to anybody who either wasn't around there or or wasn't around at that point or some someone younger. But you feel what I'm saying there? It's like. I'd I, say it almost feels even more mid to almost early eighties in, in ways too. I mean, I don't know. That's some of it. Me. Yeah. Even the optics of it, even the way it was shot is looking yeah. to me like, Oh, right. That, but anyway, I digress. Um, and the same fella, the same Ranger who, uh, rescued McBain. Yeah, yes. He, uh, he gets caught up down in Columbia in an uprising, and gets killed, and then therefore uh, Maria Conchita Alonso plays his sister, I believe the uh, yep the guy of Don Columbia's sister. So she brings Christopher Walken the other half of the hundred dollar bill, and basically they need to get back the old gang back together, go down to Columbia, kick some ass, and set shit right. That's pretty much what this movie is. Oh um, yeah, I'm gonna start off with this. I'm gonna let you run with it for a little bit because I know you got some interesting opinions about this as well, but this is definitely a product of its era. Back when this movie came out, I saw it. I saw this on cable or something like that, and I pretty much dismissed it, rolled my eyes, and chuckled at it, and moved along. Today, when I go back and see movies like that, I love them. 
because it's almost like a memory of that. And there's these movies, in spite of themselves, were so entertaining and therefore actually making it more fun, too. And the casting is is upside down. Well, yeah, you got an early Louise Guzman in there in a real bit part, you know. I mean, look at all the stuff that guy's gone on to do, you know, now. I mean, I, you know. Right. It's, I don't know. For me, it's like, yes, I see what you're saying, that it is a product of his time. But I also think that there's a lot of universal things in there that still resonate and are relevant today in a lot of ways with the whole like, I mean, you get all these wacky disjointed scenes like there's the part where there's the people at this like uh, board meeting where they're just sitting there screaming at these at these high up execs. You know, you got all this jet that costs all this money and you're the only ones using it and we're getting screwed. And like, you know, uh-huh. you're, you're you're not taking pay cuts while we're while it's getting harder on all of us down here. I mean, that's very relevant right now, actually. Sure. You know, I mean, very much so. And the whole idea of what the Colombian government's doing and the uprising of the people trying to take that down and find their voice and their freedom. There's a lot of that stuff that's going on, even in some different degrees and kind of different instances, even here right now that it's like, it's kind of weird how it still is extremely relevant in a lot of ways, really. But the whole thing is that the packaging of it, the presentation of it and that is extremely goofy. I mean, come on, you've got an adult contemporary smooth, theme song that's basically a revolution song it's like the lyrics are all about you know revolting and standing up and and all this stuff but it's all sang at this languid laid back chill pace like like Sade made a song about a revolution you know what I mean it's like (laughs) how much sense does that make I leave that up to you (laughs) (laughs) right but it's very entertaining because I'm listening to that while the movie's playing going, what the heck is this? Oh, my God. <laughs> well, and that's the thing when I'm saying, though, is like back when it came out, it was closer to being what was being kind of shoved at us. Uh, some of these movies were kind of at that time. Look, you got to remember how many movies were coming out back then, filling up all those theaters, all the multiplexes and stuff. Cause there wasn't internet yeah. yet. There wasn't, you know, we had, we had VHSs right. and everything, but that was our other yeah. besides television and cable, you know, like the other avenues we had to watch anything. Yeah. And this is one of those movies that was kind of like, <laughs> it was just one in a lot of movies. But when you take them today, and start looking at them. You know, it's to me, it's almost like pure cinema. Because where I used to, like I said, I used to roll my eyes and be like, oh, here's another weird action type, you know, movie that's getting put out by Canon every other week. Uh, which actually, Glickenhaus's movies remind me of sort of like Canon films, but they're trying to be a little bit more and a little bit better than Canon films. But they really feel like from that mold. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, you could you could throw this under that whole exploding hut subgenre that people talk about these days, you know, made in the Philippines and all that, you know, you got tons of 
crazy rowdy explosions of which there's at least one that I swear to God, the people that were in that explosion got killed because <laughs> they were completely engulfed in this massive fireball. And I, I don't know. <laughs> right. I'm not sure that we could check and see if those people are still around. Cause it sure looked like they got blown up. <laughs> right. And that's what it, it's, it's, it, it's trying to say something, but at the same time, it's really trying to be entertaining at the same time. And I think that's pure cinema. It's pure. Hey, look at this shit. Oh yeah, I also have a heart and social awareness. I just like to shoot at all that shit and let it know let it know it's my boss. You well, know, basically. I mean, <laughs> because when they finally when they finally decide to go and like or they're like, We're gonna go do this, I mean it's like they need money. So what do they do? They shake down a mob boss. They go hit up that drug dealer, which like I said, was the, the Luis Guzman character, you know, and they don't have a problem running around and shooting people and throwing them out of buildings onto cars, but nobody bats an eye. You don't see the cops show up. <laughs> no. Nothing seems, I mean, they, they go to the airport to steal his plane. Don't have a problem using a freaking rock, a rocket launcher to freaking blow up the, the, the tower and the whole thing's in shambles and it's burning and stuff and people are dead, but where are the cops Man. while they get this plane ready to take off? And the guy even quits. He goes, uh, uh, I guess I don't have to uh, ask the tower for permission, but there's no <laughs> cops. There's nobody there. And they're using like all these automatic weapons and, you know, uh, you know, like literal, like <laughs> right. small arms, explosives and all these things. And it's like, no problem. So right. we're just going to go do this. <laughs> right. Right. Well, that's what I'm saying. It's like, it's, it's basically like we're going to set up a situation and how do we get through it? You're going to wear torn up clothing that looks like you might be in like a bar hair metal band. You're going to yeah. oil yourself up and you're going to indiscriminately shoot at people with a machine gun and and make sure that, that you're doing the whole time while you're doing it. I, I, I have to say that although the trope back then was was very long in the tooth, at this point, I'm standing up and cheering. And I'm, I'm, I'm offering to be shot myself sometimes. So, shoot me too. Shoot me. I'm here. You know, so <laughs> yeah, uh, it, it makes you miss the days of squibs because you see all the <laughs> wonderful, super geyser of blood, explosive squibs that they use too, which right. is great. Right. It's either that or they're flying for no reason. You don't see anything happen. It's just, they go, you're shot now. Make sure you fly back and fall on your whatever. <laughs> yeah. Or the, the trampoline jump, you know, where you're flying, yep. where, you, where you go airborne, like away from yeah. the explosion. Explosion. Slow um, motion explosion too, where they show the guys slow mo fly through the right, air, a la right. team and everything else. Right. Back right. Then. <laughs> and so it, it really is. It's it's a it's a it's an odd, uncomfortable, awkward mix of like a heavy-handed message and like a goofy action movie. It's almost like if Oliver Stone did a movie for PM Entertainment. It's trying to find, it's casting a net to try to find the widest audience it can and just confusing everyone. But it, it's weird how the pacing of the movie is. It takes so long for everything to kind of develop. They don't even get to Columbia and do all that stuff till, you know, very late in the film. And, but, you know, you have stuff going on over there, but then they stop to go, hey, let's have this aerial battle in there with these. 
I, I mean, they looked like CGI, early, early CGI missiles, which were super oh, entertaining. Yeah, yeah. Especially because you could see that the airplanes that were flying did not have missiles mounted on them. Usually you can see the <laughs> missiles. I know modern planes have them where they, they kind of tuck them in and they come out and drop them or whatever. But back then they didn't have that. They didn't have jets like that. <laughs> right. I see. <laughs> so these planes are flying and you, there's no missiles, but they're launching them from somewhere. <laughs> right, right, right. I actually rewound that a little into me and Angie were watching it. I was like, Woo-hoo! And I showed it to her again. So yeah, we were we were getting a kick out of that too. Um, well, it was shot. It was shot in the Philippines. Of course, it was right. Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not, not Colombia. It's sort of like Luis Guzman shows up as a drug dealer. Of course, he does back then, right? That's 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 he's he's the guy, you know. Of course, this was shot in Philip the Philippines. I'm surprised. I'm surprised that Sid Haig didn't stumble onto this set by accident. You know, well, you dude, got Steve James in there too, man. I mean, yeah. that dude's been on tons of all kinds of you know crazy rowdy fun stuff like that. Yeah, well, you know, and the the, the cast is interesting. Thomas Waits from the Thing trying to play a tough yep. guy. It. Yeah. I found the cast the casting of this film with the, Steve James is an exception. I mean, Steve James is known as a tough guy, right? I mean, he's known as well, he's, yeah, he's, he's gonna, great. Right. Uh, yes. he's totally awesome, right? But walking. <laughs> I mean, there is yeah. literally inserts of Christopher Walken like it that looks almost identical to Stallone in one of the Rambo sequels. But the but yeah, the, the yeah, casting yeah. of the these are all pretty much a character actors that you've seen in other films. Well, and on a different another another actor note that's big in there is Victor Argo, the guy that plays the Presidente. I mean, that dude's been in a ton, a ton of stuff. Right, right. One thing that, that these movies from this era were good at, I'm telling you, if I were going to be like a evil leader guy or like something like that who has like soldiers or henchmen, this is the era to do it because apparently they literally fell out of trees and grew on trees because they just come out of nowhere. I oh, mean, yeah. I bet like 4,000 people are shot when you can only see about 10. The guy yeah. shooting everyone is the target. He's shooting everyone. But he doesn't get hit. Well, how about when they're flying in the the plane that they steal from the mm. airport, and the F five jet comes up on the side and tells them to land, and they're sitting there like, "What? Our radio's not working!" And then you know, uh, McBain has the brilliant idea to pull out a gun and shoot the guy in the other plane <laughs> in the cockpit. He shoots through the glass of their plane and hits the other guy in the cockpit, taking him out. <laughs> yes. Which, it's like, yeah, we won't worry about losing cabin pressure or any of that other stuff. Never mind, never mind that. It's going to be cool to make Christopher Walken pull out a pistol and just cap the guy in the jet over there and take him down. I mean, that is absolutely, just like you said, only in the 80s would they do something like that. Right. <laughs> just be like, you know what we're going to do? We're going to shoot through the cockpit into the other cockpit, kill the pilot, and take the plane out, and there's going to be zero repercussion for us. We'll just keep on flying, do-do-do, like it's no big deal. Right. Let's just all be glad, can we? Can we all, like, collectively? We don't do much collectively these days, Ryan. We don't. I mean, we're we're a divided, we're a divided species, you know? We're, but we can all be glad of one thing. They changed the kind of glass they use in planes that they did from back then, apparently. All right? That's apparent when you see the bullet hole. That is that moment of that film. It's and you know what's funny about that that part? It feels kind of shoehorned in. 
So, so they wanted that in there. That's going to be in this movie. And I, I think I, I can imagine Christopher Walken just inquisitively asking, what are we doing here? <laughs> no, like, just, I just, I wish I could have been a fly on the wall when they were preparing that scene and shooting it and stuff. Just to see if anyone Maybe brought up. Maybe the one that suggested it. it Maybe might, he went, you know what we should do? Let's do this. And they were like, that's brilliant. <laughs> only the guy, only the guy who has that creepy dance in the Fat Boy Slim video could come up with that. You're right. I think you're right. So, you well, know, I mean, come on. They, they went and like, you had this battle happen. It started happening at in Bogota or in Medellin where they were trying to, you know, open up the landing zone and you basically have all out war happening. Suddenly there's this giant military going against the rebel force and it's complete mayhem and war and craziness. And then they cut back to them flying in the plane and Michael Ironside's got the, the little tracking thing to figure out if something's, if they're going to run a foul of anybody, you know, and it's like taking them forever just to get there. And then all of a sudden you're going to, pull out of nowhere and it's going to turn into this well we're going to have these jets come and there's three of them and we're going to have this aerial battle and all this stuff so like the whole movie stops so you can have this battle right. and do all that stuff and then they finally go back okay well, yeah we got to get back to the war that's going on over here <laughs> that's what I'm saying it's totally shoehorned <laughs> in it's like what was that another thing that's funny to me is is the is the oh, intricate good. the intricate ways and 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 this how the script maneuvered around and took strange corners in order to get Michael Ironside to go with those guys. I'm pretty sure it was a moment like, "Hey, yo, you want to come? Yeah, I'll go." Yeah, was pretty. I mean, it's like there was no like reasoning. It was like, "You want to come? Yeah, yeah, I do." All right, yeah. let's do this. All right, cool. I'm Michael Ironside. What's up? You know, <laughs> right? I. He's pretty much playing the same character he was in V in the movie. I mean, it's like the same type thing. Even down to where he's got the little, he just has his little pouch pack that's got the like C4 explosive in there. And he's like, oh, hey. And he just puts it on the thing. It's like totally like right out of the same character as in V. I mean, it's like the same thing. He even got the little ponytail. I mean, oh, it's brilliant. I love it. Right. But that kind of sums the movie up to me. The... There's a lot of parts where it slows down for different types of scenes and stuff, but some of them are so bizarre and awkward that they're still interesting and amazing. And are, amazing is not the right word. They're still interesting and hypnotic. It's it's hypnotic to watch because you're like, what the hell's going to happen next? I mean, it's not like a stunning film is in plot twists and things. It's just stunning is in what are you going to show me next? Well, I think it's kind of funny that it's called McBain in the first place. And, you know, you have Walken is in the, in the titular character, but at the same time, like a large chunk of the movie, he's not really doing much because he's trying <laughs> to get to where he's going. And you, you know, you finally get the more of the quote unquote McBain action, you know, <laughs> towards the end. Right. It's almost kind of like in a, like an alien or a movie where it's like, here's the beast, but we're not going to show you him for most of the movie. And then at the end, it's like, Oh, Hey, there's the creature, you know, cause we can only afford to do so much, with right. it. but it's kind of the same with walking. It's like, he's there throughout the movie, but at the same time, I mean, you're calling the movie McBain and he's not the focus of the movie for a large point of it. I mean, other than the fact that he's kind of the guy calling the shots, but mm-hmm. There's a lot of moments in time where the movie is spent 
focusing on other things that he's not a part of. Right. You know? Right. So it's like funny that you have this as he's the title character, like I said, but you don't, he's not really like the focus of the movie where you, you would think it would be like when you see a movie like Rambo, it's all about him. The whole movie, that's what it is. It's what his character's going through, where it's going, what's happening, what is he doing? McBain is like, he's the he's the guy that, you know, is the catalyst for what's going on, but he's not the one that's necessarily doing everything. Like, he's got this cast of characters around him that are also doing stuff, and, you know, there's, like I said, there's large chunks of the movie where, they're trying to get there still. And you're seeing all this stuff happening down in Columbia and he's not there, right. not even there yet. Right. And doing all that right. stuff. Right. So right. it's like kind of interesting how it's like, you would think that in normal movies like that, he would be the guy in the thick of the action the whole time. That's mm-hmm. driving the story. That's doing all that. But that's not really the case with this movie, which right. like, to me kind of makes it even more entertaining in a wacky way. Cause you're going, wait a minute, where is he? <laughs> right. What's going on? You're right. almost doing a where's walking. <laughs> right. Right. Well, and he, one thing that was weird to me was was the the major really narrative of the film where, where it was like wait okay so let me get this straight and, and please correct me if I'm wrong because I do miss a, a sentence sometimes in a movie where it's important you know and it throws me off to where I'm out of, I'm out in outer space somewhere by the time by the time the movie ends so I'm sitting there going okay so Christopher Walken is a POW. Okay, so then he gets rescued by Rangers, and this and, and they become best friends immediately. But then they don't see each other again, to the point where he's going to risk his life and stuff. That part, I'm like, it's not handled real well, but okay, he saved his life. The part that really kind of was sticking in my craw a little bit was the whole team of people just bought into McBain immediately. They're going to listen to what he had to say. They were going to do everything. I'm like, wait a minute. Weren't these guys in like this troop or like these Ranger guys that was being led by this other guy that was already killed. So I understand McBain going with them and trying to help out, but he seemed to be running the whole show. Unless I was missing something with their relationship, I didn't think they had a relationship. And those guys tend to not be the most trusting of other people, you have to prove yourself to them. I'm not, I don't know. I mean, they kind of all jumped into bed together really quick. I thought that was my personal opinion. What am I missing? Did I miss something? Well, I mean, the thing is, is that it's like those guys were all bothered by Santos being killed I get that. and the way he was killed. So that I think is what drew them in because Santos was basically the dude that kind of had everybody together and Mm -hmm. they, you know, McBain's the one that kind of went to them all and said, Hey, because you remember when, uh, Christina, you know, the, the Santos sister comes to him, which is funny how they're, you know, she shows up at where he's working and they're like, go ahead, go walk up this freaking, <laughs> you know, super high dangerous area here. And you can go talk to him. We won't wait for him to come down. You go ahead, go up there. And then she walks up there and he just takes the mask and he goes, I was expecting, I was waiting for you to, or he goes, I was expecting you. Like he didn't even like, it wasn't even like no surprises, no nothing. Just like, Oh, Hey, I've been expecting you to show up. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. He did. He literally said, yeah, you know, yeah. I know that she walks up and the crew's like, you go up there. No, 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 no. That's the crew from Wolfen. 
Yeah, yeah, over there. You go over there. That's the, yeah, there he is. There he is, yeah. yeah. They're just really, I think these movies wear their era on their sleeves a bit. So maybe what I'm saying is what you'll swallow as an audience in that era. But these movies were getting thrown at us on the video shelves and in the theaters constantly, left and right, left and right. And some of them, you go back and watch them and you just, the audacity of some of them are just, uh. and with this movie, just some of those action scenes, you, all you got to do is just reel it back to the scene where Walken shoots the other pilot. That's <laughs> yeah, where I'm going so with great. it. That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> so great. Yeah. Yeah. And that it was, and that it was forced in. It was. It wasn't. It wasn't a way to get out of a situation when you roll your eyes. Like most action movies, had the most ridiculous way to get out of a situation. That wasn't really this. It wasn't this really. This was just an added in little. You know how crazy McBain is. Check this shit out. I mean, this movie to me screams like a like a mystery science theater type. Like I was. I was you know, laughing out loud and heartily often. <laughs> it was so much fun. And just how wild and completely outrageous it is. I never, see, I never even knew this movie existed until it, like this one and Slaughter of the Innocents were two that movies that I had no idea were in existence or were there until the announcement from Synapse, they were putting them out. I just, I had no idea. Well, that's an interesting that's an interesting point too, because you know I always like to go back and ask people, ask people, especially yourself, who was on a lot of these podcasts. As a, what was your first yeah. experience with the film? Mine was on cable TV. I, I see. I didn't yeah, have the benefit of cable access right, when I right. was a kid, so I missed a lot of shit that was on cable because I didn't. You know, right. if I went over by my grandparents' house, they had cable, and I'd get to watch it. But that was few and far between, so I didn't really. It wasn't until I was more in like later high school and stuff like that when I was going over by friend's house where I had semi more regular access to cable. But even then, we were largely just watching like Headbangers Ball and things or, you know, that stuff. We weren't, you know, it wasn't like I could just be like, oh, what's this weird movie? I'm going to watch this. Well, I think it's I think it's okay though, because, you know, as I was saying that. Back then, when I saw it, believe me, I rolled my eyes. I'm like, oh man! And all the all the awkward stuff that's funny now was a little more painful. But that's yeah. because we there were so many of these types of movies coming out that they ran together a little bit, and that yeah, you didn't really have time to separate them. You didn't. It, it was just. Maybe it took things a little bit more too seriously too, where you were kind of like, ah, this is goofy cheese ball. Absolutely. I mean, at least for me, I, my level of tolerance for cheesier, goofy stuff when I was younger was not nearly as high as it is now. I've yes. definitely grown to appreciate goofball, cheesy, quote unquote, turkey stuff way more, you know, in my uh, more adult years, I guess you could say. But yeah. when I was a kid and a young adult and all that stuff, I was way more critical and way more like, you know, just goof, I don't know, snobbish for lack of a better term, which was dumb. And I'm glad I broke myself of that mentality. And I learned to just kind of try to enjoy movies and take them for what they are. Not that I just love everything and I don't have any standards. Of course I do, but you know, not every movie is going to be an alien or a thing or a jaws or, you know, something of that level. It's just not possible. So it's like always constantly comparing everything to, well, it's not as good as this. So 
it's no good. It's not worth it. That's just kind of, you're missing, you're cutting off a very large portion of cinema that is entertaining and very good. And you can find a lot of crazy, great stuff that, yeah, it may not be a freaking masterpiece of a movie in terms of what people would consider to be that, but it can still be good. It can still be entertaining and it can still be a lot of fun, you know? Right. And this movie is that it definitely delivers on that in spades. It's so much fun. I mean, come on, man. Just the fact of the audacity, like we talked about of him shooting the pilot, the way he did that through the other (laughs) cat, through the cockpit, through the plane. I mean, that's come on. How can you not love that? Right, right, right. (laughs) Well, you're right. And and you know, if both of us, and I know I saw this when I was like, and I remembered a lot of this. That was really, really strange too. As we were watching, I probably only saw this once or twice. And as we were watching it, I'm like, man, I really remember this movie. Like, interestingly, <laughs> like I just really do. And man, when, when, when he shot that, I was like, oh, he did that, didn't he? Oh, shoot. It was almost like this like repressed memory came came back in a way but the thing is is yeah back then i promise you that was almost a turn it off moment it was almost like oh you gotta be kidding me get out of here now it's like oh what's next and you know what's even better is seeing it now with the with the the killer presentation that it's in i can almost guarantee you probably didn't see the blood squib that sprayed onto the cockpit of the jet fighter pilot when he shot him but it's there because <laughs> right, right. i saw it yeah. i rewound it I, yeah. I i literally when i watched it i rewound it i was like i gotta see that again right. and i saw it the first time but i was like i gotta make sure and then i rewound it and he did it again because i couldn't believe it i was like slack jawed laughing going oh my god and <laughs> sure enough yeah you, you see it again and there's a little blood squib even that's in there that, that you know the sprays onto the freaking the cockpit after he shoots the dude. I mean, oh, it's just those right. little things, man, that just make that stuff so worth it. Right, right. <laughs> well, that kind of brings us up to. I mean, the the presentation of this is very good. I was, I was a little, oh, yeah. I was it impressed looks fantastic. by it. Yeah, it looks, it does look good. Yeah, it looks really good. It does. I mean, there's some moments that are, you know whatever but i mean that's just the nature of an older movie like that but the majority of the movie i mean good god you know i mean better than it deserves a look i always joke about you know you can take a bad movie and you put boobs in it and that makes it great and even though there's technically no boobs in this the picture quality is so incredible that you can almost see through maria's shirts in a couple (laughs) of them i mean that's true you know you can't see through it truly but you can if that makes sense it's like holy I mean, it's really like, boy, oh boy. <laughs> uh, the it, it's a bare bones, pretty much. There is a it was a commentary. That's James Glickenhaus, right? Who's doing the commentary? It is, yeah. It's him and film historian Chris Argyali. Sorry if I butchered your last name, Chris. I apologize. One one little interesting thing too is that there's a, there's a a little bit of a a connection with the Simpsons. With where their action hero guy, like their Schwarzenegger esque kind of guy, was named McBain for a while, and then they had oh. to change it for a little bit when this movie was out. But I and they called him something else, like I don't know, meat throb steak or something. I don't know. There was something else <laughs> that they they were calling him. And then as this movie sort of went into history, then they started doing the McBain thing, and I thought that was kind of a little interesting little kind of tidbit. Uh, no real connection except for the fact it was the same. Name. And what I mean, it's a it's a total like if 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 you told AI to come up with an action movie name for like the late 1980s, it would probably come up with McBain 
Or oh yeah, something close to it. So, um, well, I mean, come on, you got MacGyver, you got you know, there's <laughs> McDonald's. I mean, whatever. So, but it's uh, yeah, good connection there. That's, you know, that, that's a that's a good stretch. <laughs> yeah, that's probably the point where we say. So, what did you think of the film overall? Let's close it. Um, honestly, I, I am going to do that. I. I I enjoyed this film. It's not a it's not a cinematic marvel, but it does what a movie's supposed to do. It entertains you. You have fun with it. The presentation here is strong. Um, again, it is a bare bones disc, but it's a fun movie to sit back and watch. You don't you don't need to use your brain a lot to watch this. There is social commentary. It is a bit dated, so it isn't it isn't going to poke at you. You know, if they had something that was maybe more of today, if let's say they were, if they made some kind of comment about Ukraine or something, none of that is there. So it's, although there are generalizations that the world is always has problems with people and wars and politics and stuff, it does that, but it's not really poking at anything current. So that makes it easier too. Um, It's not really, it's kind of preaching, but it's almost like you forgive it because... Because they got they got Christopher Walken oiled up shooting at you, and, you know, and inserts. Well, I, mean, I think it's just I think it just adds to the fun of it is the fact of you know with the heavy handedness, just kind of everything's heavy handed in the movie. Really, mm-hmm. the action and the violence is on twenty. I mean, you've got <laughs> you know all these incredible explosions and big squibs and craziness and all this stuff, and just everything is like kind of on ten. So it makes sense that the the commentary and the the message, as you would say, is also kind of presented on 10. It's not subtle because of the, I mean, it's just the whole thing, which really is funny that you have this high octane, you know, blast of a movie with when it, when it gets going. I mean, it does have its more leg back moments where it's kind of, you're like, well, the pacing is kind of janky, but the, the thing that to me that really makes it even entertaining is the the really like like I said the adult contemporary smooth groove <laughs> themes like and there's some of the music in there that where they have different like songs and stuff where it's like oh man but yet it's like this gritty you know hardcore like we're trying to you know serious like action type stuff and they're doing that but then you got this juxtaposition of this you know it's a revolution song calling for revolution but yet it's all like kicked back like i said like a shaw day they hired shaw day to do it they didn't hire her but you know it, that's to give you an idea of what kind of music you're hearing and what the main theme of the movie is it's just really funny because it's not at all what you would expect for a movie like this are you trying to say it would be sort of like chris isaac doing breaking the law <laughs> Breaking the law, breaking the law, breaking the law. Yeah, I hear you. I hear you. Um, yeah, um, to me, it is a movie that that maybe is is it's got some kind of message it wanted to say, but in reality, it's rolling around in a bed of '80s action tropes. <laughs> the whole thing oh, yeah. and just let whatever sticks to it stick, you know. Yeah. And I I had a ball. I had a ball with it. I had fun with it. I had way more fun watching it now than I did when I saw it back when it came out. And that's probably because maybe it, there is a bit of nostalgia, but the nostalgia really wasn't my enjoyment for the film. And the, the nostalgia was, let me go back and watch one of these PM entertainment movies just for fun. And then you get a little bit more out of it because you know what you're getting into. Yeah. And I think this is one of those movies when you know what you're getting into, 
you can really dial up the fun because then you know. If you don't know what you're getting into and you think you're going to get something a little more serious, you're going you're gonna to be at best confused you know, or whatever. Well, but, and you get um, to see some actors in roles that yeah. you wouldn't expect to. And yeah. early stuff for them too. I mean, you know. Ironside is basically being Ironside, and that's never a bad thing. No. I mean, that makes that's worth it alone. I mean, just for the cast that's in there, on top of it, I mean, that also makes it worth the price of admission too. Just to kind of see, you know, all these different characters because Walken is still being Walken. Like, he oh yeah, is, yeah, 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 yeah. It's definitely way dialed back in comparison to the Walken that you're going to get later on. You know, right. like in True Romance or you know that that kind of stuff or the Prophecy or even you know. Right. I mean, it's like he he still has the Walkenisms are there, right. but it's definitely not as uh, I don't know. I guess you could say not as. Uh, big as normally would be for him. Well, no, this is way more of an ensemble cast. It's an ensemble piece. And so he's just one of the characters basically. And I think really the name might, the name McBain itself might be throwing off a little bit because you call a movie Rambo, like you had said, you alluded to earlier that, you know, it's all about him. It's all about that. This is called McBain. But yeah, yeah, this is way more of an ensemble piece. And they're all, like I said, recognizable B-movie or A-movie secondary character guys and stuff. And it's fun to watch these people get to chew the scenery a little bit because normally they don't get to. And that's a lot of fun to watch too. So with all those things being said, you know, I, that, that to me, from a fan's perspective, what I got out of McBain. And I know a lot of people haven't seen this movie. And um, if you're wondering, yeah, I mean, there you go. I mean, if you like the 80s, early 90s, especially direct-to-video, like crazy action movies where all the tropes are just thrown at you and stuff. Now you put an A-level A-level and A-level character actor cast, almost like The Thing, that type of ensemble, put that all into a movie like that, and this is what this is what came out. And I think that's really fascinating and fun as hell to watch. So I enjoyed it. Yeah. All right, Ryan. Well, uh, yeah, this is uh, this was an interesting one too. So, um, it was fun though. It was fun. What's it say here at the <laughs> beginning? Here, I like these little blurbs, like the poster art blurbs. The drug lords have the power, the money, the connections, but they didn't count on McBain. <laughs> <laughs> like, if I have, if I'm a drug lord with all the power and all the connections. You bet your ass I'm always going to count on McBain. I'm always going to be looking <laughs> over my shoulder for McBain. Just letting everybody know. So, so don't try it. So, That's All right, right. Rock and Rollson, thanks a lot. And we will be talking to you soon on an upcoming episode. Yes, thank you, man. Always good time having fun, talking movies and hanging out, you know, shooting the proverbial shit, having a good time. Right. Appreciate it. Well, you say hello and send our best to Jen and tell her to stop taking you across the world when you're supposed to be playing with us. So that's not <laughs> fun. And then she's got to be there playing with us too because we all got to have fun. So it's time for you guys to quit living life and start getting back to hanging out with all of us again. There you go. <laughs> Can't wait to see that. So. All right, Ryan. Talk to you next time. Thanks, man. Cheers. And thank you, Ryan, as always, for your unique insight and comments on McBain. 
Quick reminder to keep your eyes on SynapseFilms.com for any updates on new releases coming out and the merchandise and also to listen to this podcast. And thank you everyone once again for tuning in and listening to this episode of the Synapse Films Podcast. Remember, if you have any questions or comments pertaining to this podcast, please email me at tim at synapsefilms.com. Tim at synapsefilms.com. It was an honor and a pleasure to be your tour guide on this journey into all things Synapse Films. Until we meet again, be safe, be good to each other, and be right back here next time for the next episode of the Synapse Films Podcast. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Synapse Films Podcast. We couldn't be here without you, the fans. So from the bottom of our hearts, we thank you for your continuing support of Synapse Films. I'm tired of being upset, always want something I never get. Yeah.